0: So, hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Sell That Sass. You guys probably follow me on TikTok or LinkedIn. Uh, I've been making tech sales content for over a year now and I love the community. I've been able to grow. and I'm here with a really good friend of mine. What's going on? Vin Metano, also known
1: uh, for my page Project Growth. Been in tech sales for almost five years, so I make a lot of content about that. And I'm here in Arizona, in Will's territory, so we're gonna shoot some content
0: about some questions that um, I think are pretty relevant right now in the tech space. Yeah. So, I mean, really the purpose of this video is, you know, the blessing of being with Vin is that we both made tech sales content today. We're really going to be answering some of the most pressing questions that we get from our audience on, you know, what are people in tech sales wanting to know? And then you know what, what are the questions you guys want answered? So I'll, I'll start, maybe you can kind of build off this, but you know, one of the most pressing questions that Vin and I both get is just like, how do you get in sales? And not only how do you get in, but, how do you stand out? How do you get hired in 2023 in this ultra competitive market where people are getting laid off? You got to be the one to stand out on your resume. How do you do that? So just like from your take, Vin, and the followers that ask you questions on how to get into tech sales, you know, what's some advice you would give someone who's watching right now and say, how do I get into tech sales and how do I stand out? That's uh, This is my favorite topic. Everyone online is just
1: like, oh, go to LinkedIn, figure out figure out who's hiring and message the hiring manager. I don't think that's enough, honestly. Mm. Um, I, there's a method by, called the briefcase method. And it's supposed to be used in in-person interviews where you come prepared with an actual briefcase and you take something out of it and you say, hey, you know, based on that topic, I actually prepared something. Yeah. So you basically apply the briefcase method in a digital world and in sales particularly, that looks something like this where you maybe create a prospecting deck. So you're saying, hey, I know you guys go after large tech companies. I found a large tech company that I think you guys can go after. You guys sell to marketers. Here's a few marketers that I found on LinkedIn. Um, And here's some of the email templates and examples that I've created if I was an SDR at your company. And you create this deck day one, email, day three, phone. You know how those sequences go. Um, And that is your briefcase, your Mm -hmm. digital briefcase.
0: And you present that to them on an interview. So as you guys hear that, that's not just going and applying to a bunch of roles. You're actually putting some of the skills of the role that you'd actually be applying for with the recruiters that you're actually wanting to work with. Yeah. And I know you have some thoughts here.
1: What else could you do to kind of stand out in the interview process or, or even trying to just get in the interview?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the briefcase, the brief briefcase method, excuse me, is, is really good because it's doing a lot of work that's extra, right? The, The average candidate is not going above and beyond and doing stuff like Vin mentioned, the briefcase method. So, Another thing that I like to do is two things. Number one, you want to message the recruiter as part of the role that you applied to. So shoot a message on LinkedIn, right? Like say, hey, this is so-and-so. I just applied for XYZ role. I'd love to learn more about what this, this role while you're hiring. Uh, feel free to message me and we can jump on a quick call. Like something super simple, but that sets you apart. Yep. And then take it a step further. Let's say they do send. Let's say they accept your connection on LinkedIn. What no one is doing right now is sending videos. So what you could do is you could send a video to that recruiter and say, now you get to showcase your actual personality. You get yeah. to be like, this is who I am. Um, this is a little bit about my background. Whether you have tech sales experience or whether you don't, this is where you can showcase your personality, your background, and you're you're going to stand out to that recruiter because they're going to say, who's sending me a video? Yeah. No, No one's sending videos right now. So that could be a really powerful way to to stand out. Yeah, the goal is you just have to show them
1: that you could do the job. And in sales, sending video or video prospecting is part of the job. So if you're doing that in your interview process, you're automatically showing the recruiter that you could do this job, and
0: it creates some value for you. Absolutely, yeah, so we're gonna put this back on you guys as the viewers as I know your most popular question is how to break into tech sales. We're not just saying go apply for jobs. We're saying there is some work to be had on your your end of not only apply for the jobs, use Vin's briefcase method, showcase your BDR skills, showcase your sales skills, and then in addition to that, use your LinkedIn game. So connect with the recruiter, send them a thank you video, send them a video about why they should choose you as a candidate over someone else. So I, I really appreciate that
1: there's also a lot of creators specifically on TikTok, and i feel like you know who you are where they're talking about mass applying to jobs Mm. personally that's not something i think is i don't think that's the best strategy and the reason being is because you're stretching yourself too thin you're going to have too many interviews and you're not going to be able to put enough time and effort into researching and being fully prepared for those interviews and what's going to happen is your interviews are going to suffer it could be companies you're not really even aligned to just because you're mass applying and you're trying to play the numbers game, and you're going to see a very low win rate. Mm. Whereas if you take five, maybe ten, that could even be a lot, five or ten companies that you're super passionate about and you really believe in, well, now you have more time to spend researching the company, researching the people you're going to be interviewing with, um, and actually understanding what the company actually does, you'll have a much higher success rate.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't really vibe with the whole and pray approach yeah. to finding a job because... You're going to waste time. So time is your number one asset as a sales rep. You're going to waste time applying to places they shouldn't be applying for. Yeah. And let's let's put this back into a sales method, right? When you're a new BDR, you're not just prospecting everyone. You're prospecting your target market, your ideal customer profile. So you're showing bad sales skills already yep. by applying to hundreds and hundreds of jobs that you probably shouldn't be applying for anyway. So on that note, like, what if someone's trying to break into tech sales and they're like, okay, you told me not to apply to hundreds of jobs. What should I do? How should I apply?
1: You should be more strategic about it. So if you know you, you're interested in the the e-com space, you're interested in the creator space. um, You're going to look for companies that fit that criteria. You're not going to apply to a FinTech company because it's not what you're interested in. Right? Uh, So for me, I'm really interested in marketing. And so when I was applying, when I when I graduated college, I was looking at companies in the large tech space, marketing technology space, because I actually was passionate about it. Um, and so you could first Google search, you know, what are the top, you know, MarTech companies, fintech companies, whatever you're interested in, um, and then take that over to LinkedIn mm-hmm. and see who's actually a pilot, hiring and, and go forward that way. How did you go about your job, hunt when you got into the tech space?
0: Yeah, so getting into the tech space was something that I didn't really know too much about. And so I had gotten it from a mentor of mine that was pretty much like, hey, I'm about to purchase this company uh, called Grin. That's where I work right now. Uh, you know, we're about to purchase them for our influencer program. I see they have a sales role available. And at this time, COVID just hit. So I was like, okay, I get to work remote. I get to sell MarTech software, just like you mentioned. Yep. This sounds like a good fit. And went ahead and applied there. And I applied to probably five to six other MarTech companies I actually had three offers at the same time and then was waiting on the company I'm working at now and a crazy story, but I denied all three other offers even before the offer I got at Grant. Why is that? The, because it just aligned to exactly what I'm looking for because I felt passionate about that e-commerce space, that influencer marketing, and I just had a feeling like you can always tell when you're applying somewhere, like, wow, this yeah. this company's it. And when you get that feeling, that's your internal voice saying, this is the place that you could take a bet on. And I I wouldn't worry too much about the base pay. I'd worry a lot about the opportunity. Too many people are so focused on, well, whoever's paying me the most is where I'm going to work. Right. When in reality, you might be setting yourself up for joining a company where only like 10% of reps are hitting quota. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think you're going to have a range, especially if you're an entry-level salesperson. The, the base salary is not gonna range that much, right? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be 50 to maybe on the high end if you can find a 70k. And so you're really, what you're doing is you're chasing a five to 10k bump and you're you're getting a short term mm-hmm. reward. Yeah. And in the long term, that could potentially not work out. It could work out, but it, if you're just chasing that small bump in salary, um, that's probably the wrong way to look about it. I think you mentioned a really good thing. You have to look if reps are actually hitting their quota. You have to be passionate about the product because you have to sell the product. So it has to be something where you feel comfortable. And then the other thing is about growth. Like a BDR is an entry-level role. You're really only supposed to spend a few years there. And that's your springboard to your career. A BDR is unfortunately not a career. Like no one's a BDR forever. And so you need to figure out what company you want to actually build your career in.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, BDR is is just a stepping stone, guys. So I wouldn't get too tied up in the fact of like, oh, I'm a BDR. This sucks. Well, it's like, hey. This is your way to prove yourself in the company as Vin and I both did. Uh, I was at BDR, rose to the ranks, really. How, many, how long were you at BDR for? 10 months. Damn, uh, yeah. dude. 20 months. So all the amount of time. So Vin's a little bit more traditional, like we're, as me, and we can kind of talk about this, yeah. you joined a much more established company. I think, well, how big was uh, Green when you joined? So when I joined my company, it was pre-any funding. So was C. Oh, wow. So that's this is a good point too. So if you yeah. join a company that's uh seed funding or Series A, you are like number one, taking a huge risk by being there. Know that. Yeah. But two, you have a huge upside of being promoted quicker. Where and I would love to learn about you and joining, you know, uh the company you're at now and just what it was like from a structure and team wise and how getting promoted for you was like. Yeah. Well, it was a lot different Now you mentioned it. I thought, you know, when I joined the
1: company I'm at now, that we had like 200 employees. So kind of a late, definitely a late-stage startup at that point. We already were raising rounds and things like that. Um, and so when I joined, I was out of the New York office. There was probably 10 or so BDRs out of the New York office. So decent-sized team, actually. And there was actually a formal process called the Bridge Program where they would bridge an SDR from and get them promoted to an A.E. And so... That was a very formalized process. And in order to qualify for that, you need to hit your number. I think reps get very antsy and impatient at the one-year mark and they say, oh, well, I'm not promoted. I need to leave. I need to find something else. You're basically just going to start over. You need to just put your head down once you get hired as a BDR. Put your head down for one to two years and literally just crush your number. And then for where I'm at now, we entered a bridge program and then there was, I think it was like a two or three month program to basically prep you to become an AE, and you know that's where I'm at now, and I've been here over the past three years. I'm curious for you, what was your process? What, how did that look like from becoming a BDR to an AE?
0: Yeah, so exactly what you said, you got to have the head down type of mentality. And mm-hmm. you know, when you're too worried about I'm gonna be an AE, you might miss actually being successful as a BDR. Yep. So let's not take our eyes off the prize. You got to be good at the job that you're currently employed for. And in, in your guys' case, you know, a lot of the times it's a BDR role. So for me, uh, the transition to AE was unlike most. So I'll, I'll preface it with that, where again, I joined a seed company. We didn't even have Series 8 funding. So it's a little bit different of a process because I'm moving up quicker because there's not enough resources to even be in that place. So my VP called me, he's like, you know, at seven months, he's like, hey, when can you be an AE? And I was like, uh, well, number one, I don't know how to demo. <laughs> so it's going to take some time. And basically, they're like, all right, learn how to demo, talk to the other AEs in the organization, talk to their VPs, and uh, we'll get you promoted. I was promoted at 10 months, uh, was really thrown into the fire. Uh, I, did, I, I, I talked about this, too. It was pretty crazy. I did like 1.2 million in ARR in eight months. So my first eight months as an AE I did 1.2 million. That's awesome. Um, and it was a lot of times because the AE that I worked for, so I was a BDR reported to an AE. The AE that I worked for, um, I wouldn't say worked for, reported to, helped out, uh, he took me under his wing. So when I became an AE, it was a really easy transition because my relationship with my accounting executive was so easy and mm-hmm. they're so great. That's a big thing too, I think. When you are BDR and you want to get promoted,
1: first you voice that to your manager that you do want to get promoted, and then the other piece of it is if you have, if you're working with an AE and they're doing really well, like pick their brain, hang out with for the sales cycle with them. Like when I was a BDR, I would my AE was amazing. Her name was Maury. She was like the best salesperson ever, and I would hang out on some of her sales cycles. Like I would literally go from demo to demo to demo and just hang out and just listen just to see how a sales cycle is run. So that's a big advice I would give. For you all, if you are a BDR, you're working with a great rep, or maybe there's a great rep for your company that you want to be friendly with. Ask if you can kind of tag along for a whole cycle, and if there's maybe an unqualified lead, see if you can take it. See if you can run a cycle, practice your demo on it. Um, and I'm curious, what was like the biggest, what was most point thing you did to 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 get promoted or, or make that switch, or to be in
0: a best thing you could do to get promoted fast is that relationship with your account executive, yeah. like my account executive did all the hard work for me. I mean, that individual that you partner up with is in conversations with the position that you want. So the position that you want as an AE, your AE is already there. Leverage her or him to basically say, hey, I worked with you now for, as you said, a year, a year and a half, two years, whatever it is. You know, I want to get to that next step. What does it look like? So at six months, I already communicated to my account executive. He's like, he asked me, he said, what do you want to do? He's like, what do you want to do here? I said, well, I I want to do what you do. He was like, let's make it happen. So we had an action plan with not only myself working really hard, doing the right things, talking to the right people, but he was in the background having conversations. Hey, we got to talk to Will about this AE role. Mm. You know, We got someone who's ready for it. I believe he's ready. So we want to have that third party that can voice for you of like, hey, this is the right move for our next AE. So I'd say you got to have a good relationship and having a good relationship is being respectful, understanding what your account executive wants in terms of a demo and also just being a friend with the demos that you give your account executive, you know, you both make money together. And so just working together, what do you like in this demos? What would you rather me go after in terms of accounts? How do you want me to qualify these? Because their success is my success. If vice versa. I'll add one more thing to that. Whatever is the hardest part of your AE or
1: boss's day, take that off their plate. So if your AE is on calls and, I don't know, they hate taking notes, join the call, take notes for them. If your boss hates creating reports for you, I don't know, making this up, create create the reports for your boss and send them. Do the things that your boss and AE just absolutely just hate doing and take that off their plate. You'll be a
0: huge asset to them. I don't have anything else to add to that it nails it, right? Like you're a county executive. You guys are friends. Yeah. At the end of the day, you guys are friends. So you mutually bad each other. you mutually beneficial. So by the time that you're saying, Hey, what's the hardest part of your day? I'll help you out. It's going to go a little way.
1: Yeah. I had the conversation too with, uh, my, my BDR too. And right now it's like the one thing I want to better understand is like, well, what do you want out of your career? Because if you can, if you're crushing as a BDR, that means I'm going to be doing wells in the E. Um, so I think there's a, there's a fine line with that relationship. Another topic that I think uh, maybe makes sense to switch to is around actually building that pipeline. Right? We talked about working the BDR um, and now that's important. Let's talk about actually building pipelines. So I know you are a killer all the phones. I've seen it happen standing at standing desk, cold call at the coffee shops. If you had to give someone some tips that is maybe a little timid to pick up the phone and actually do cold call what are some tips to help them get over that fear
0: yeah so appreciate that so cold calling has been my bread and butter i grew up in a cold calling environment i did internships and in logistics company where i was making 150 dollars a day so tech sales you know i'm doing max like you're doing max 50 as a bdr let's be realistic here You'd probably doing 50 to 60 a day mm-hmm. um so if someone who's timid just put it this way Making a cold call is your fastest way to an answer. So an email may take you weeks for someone to respond, or maybe they never respond. But at least a cold call, you're like, hey, I'm going to put my best foot forward and try and get someone on the phone to get some information. Mm. And that's why I'd say to someone who's timid is, your goal of a cold call is not to book a meeting. It's to get some information that you didn't have previously. Mm. So when you have that mindset, when you go into a cold call, you're pretty much making a cold call, already detaching from the outcome if they tell me stop calling me you're on the black list okay i don't care if they tell me hey we want to talk to you let's book a meeting okay it's the same reaction mm. great that sounds good we'll set it up for wednesday you never want me to call you again great i'll make sure i note that it's the same type of energy so someone who's timid just go into it already detaching from the outcome you know you had said the
1: quickest way to it, an answer is through the phone and I was just going to add to that, that getting a no is the second best answer you can get, right? Obviously, everyone wants to hear yes, but a no allows you to say, okay, maybe is not the right time. I'm going to stop wasting my efforts or stop reaching out to this prospect. Uh, and that's how I initially had a fear of cold calling. I think a lot of reps do. And I even came from a from a really cold call heavy environment, which is uh, odd. I think I was like scarred from it. I was like, I just don't want a cold call anymore. Um I think the biggest way I got over my fear was like I just want to get like you said get an answer quick I'll, even if it's a no I want I want that no,
0: um, you gonna add something to that? No, that's it, man. That's that that's money, um, and I think we have so much more to talk about. Yeah, like make a part two. We're gonna do a part two. Like, we Vin and I met on social media, yep. what, like six months ago. Yeah, I think I, I saw your
1: TikToks. I, the first TikTok I saw was I you. It was like a docu, like the docu sign. Was not signed yet, and you're like job ain't done, like the Kobe, the Kobe uh voice. That was the first video I saw you, and then I reached out a few months later, I think,
0: and then I saw you doing the lives. Yeah. So I we just were very similar in our styles, but so different. Mm -hmm. And that's the coolest part is that you and I both have our own unique styles of creating content and relating to our community. Um. So I just really appreciate meeting with you and like doing these type of things. And like today we cut up this video we really know what to expect we just yeah. said let's talk about tech sales and we got on some different topics so we'll make sure we do a part two yep. of we have so much to talk about we could do part two part three part four yeah yeah there's not enough time he's coming out to new york and we're gonna do some more stuff i'll go to new york <laughs> we'll do some more shooting he's in Arizona right now yep. grateful for that we've got dinner uh what was that two nights ago
1: yeah yeah so more more content. Found-
0: More content to come. We'll wrap it up. Peace.